0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So we can begin. Welcome to the third class of Cultivating the Brahman Viharas, where we'll be talking about appreciative joy. But before we get started with that... I wanted to check in a little bit for those of you who were here last week, and even if you weren't here last week, when the topic was compassion, maybe it's a little brief um, intro, that it's it's natural that when we start developing loving kindness, when we start setting this intention to have more and more loving kindness in our lives, it just starts to expand out. Of course, is the instructions, too. I'm not giving those specific instructions in these um, beginning classes, but it happens whether we are intentionally doing it or not. And then, of course, it's natural that when our loving-kindness expands, that it'll encounter beings who are suffering and beings who are happy. Both exist in the world. Of course, they exist. So last week was about encountering beings who suffer and this week we'll talk about encountering beings who are happy. But I just wanted to um, open it up for any questions or comments that when loving kindness meets beings who are suffering there's the loving kindness shifts or expands or somehow changes a little bit to include a sincere wish that the suffering end. So which we're calling compassion. So compassion is a care, a sense of goodwill, a sense of concern, perhaps, for others. And when to see the suffering, then the heart includes this wish, oh, may the suffering end. Maybe I'll add this in later Buddhism. They, um... There starts to be more and more where compassion and loving kindness get to be pretty much the same. In early Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism, which we practice here at the center, there's a real distinction between loving kindness and compassion. So there may be, you know, these words often get kind of get, uh, maybe be putting together or get conflated or something. I'll just add that. So now I'd like to open it up to comments or questions. Um, I sent you guys off with um, some homework to do some compassion practice either formally as a meditation practice in a similar way that we do loving kindness or as just some um, brief um, practices during your days when you notice yourself that you're having some difficulties or suffering to can you wish yourself well would anybody like to comment or share what that was like last week Can you use the microphone, please?
1: Um, this uh, this is not exactly a comment to that, but um, I wonder if you could say more about this distinction between loving kindness and compassion, because that is not something I'm familiar with, and uh, the, uh, uh, maybe you could clarify that for me a bit.
0: Yeah, so loving kindness is just sending goodwill. You, all beings. Eventually, right? We start where it's easy, and then it, it, it expand out systematically. That's loving kindness in the or in the earliest Buddhist teachings. And then compassion is when there's a little something addition. It's like this wish for suffering to end, for this acknowledging of suffering. So compassion has a few um, components. First, you have to recognize that others are having difficulties. You don't have to feel the exact same difficulties that they're feeling, but just to recognize, oh, yeah, here's some distress, somebody who's in distress, whether it's mild or blatant. And the wish that that thing that you just noticed, um, for that to end. So that kind of gets added plus loving kindness. So there's this more kind of this recognition and a sincere wish that the suffering end. In addition to goodwill. So compassion is definitely rooted in loving-kindness. It's definitely rooted in wishing goodwill for all beings, but it has also something a little bit extra from just plain loving-kindness. Does, does that make sense? I think so.
1: It, it, um, the way you described it made it sound like the goodwill or loving-kindness is more of a kind of emotion or affect and that compassion has more something active to it, or I'm, I'm still not entirely. Yeah. i I would think of what you describe as a, as a recognition of suffering and a desire for the suffering to end, to be already part of what I would think of as loving kindness. So maybe I'm just not understanding the terminology.
0: Yeah, you're not alone in this. A number of people would say that, and that's... Uh as I said, it's kind of like some teachings do say that, but here we are making a distinction. And what you were saying was loving kindness. We would say was compassion. So maybe that's why the distinction is uh, not clear. And I will say that um, compassion does have um, different elements. It does have, a, um, yeah, this recognition that stress, suffering, difficulties, hardship is happening, and is that like, there could be the more a cognitive element. And then there's the heartfelt wish that, oh, I wish that this would end. So, yeah, so um, a com- compassion is a little bit more than just wishing goodwill, which may, may be just a sincere, is it an emotion? I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> Was that helpful? Okay, great, thank you. Yeah? Can you use the mic- Can can we pass the microphone back?
2: Well, I had a compassion challenge as soon as I left um, this session last week. I uh, I was on the bus, and actually, I was I walked to the bus stop from here. And there were several very loud, and from what I could tell, homeless people at the bus stop. And I wish I could say that I felt compassion for them, but I was really disturbed (laughs) and challenged. And I was cognizant that I'd just come from here. <laughs> and being at this bus stop, um, you know, it was just, it was, well, I just noticed that I was having a lot of trouble feeling compassion for the these people who were at the bus stop and were not waiting for the bus, just Mm -hmm. making it their home. Mm -hmm. And I must say, there seemed to be no suffering on their part. They were having a grand old time, and I was the one who was suffering. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess I, you know, should feel good that I noticed my suffering, and I noticed how I was challenged. Um, I did not walk away. You know, I I could feel the struggle to walk away and just find another place to wait for the bus. Um, but I stayed there and was just there with what was going on. Fantastic. Oh right (laughs) this is
0: definitely a practice i don't want anybody to feel like okay because you come here all of a sudden you can just love everybody Mm -hmm. all the time right Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way this is definitely something we have to practice with and cultivate and develop and hang out spend a lot of time hanging out and loving kindness
1: Uh,
0: are you finished are you are you finished um yeah, I'm pretty much
2: done. I just wanted to yeah. tell that little snippet yeah. of but, my life as I left it, you know, when I left here last week.
0: But maybe I'll ask you a question. Uh-huh. So you noticed that they weren't suffering, but you noticed that you were yeah. suffering.
2: Yeah, yeah, they, ha- they were happy. You know, yeah. they were happy with the uh, songs they were singing and all the noise they were making. And could you, know, you
0: Could you notice like, oh... This is a moment of suffering for me.
2: Yeah. And
0: could you have some compassion for yourself?
2: I, you know, I can't really say that I did. I just, you know, was doing my best to stay, stay in this place and not run away.
0: Fantastic. you, you know. know. That's fantastic. That's how it starts, right? Is where we start to notice, like, oh, this isn't so easy. And I have these ideas of how I should behave or I think I should behave Uh or something, and I'm just doing Uh the best that I can. This is great. Uh This is great for you to, this is where it starts, right? To notice, oh, this is hard. Yeah. Mm.
2: And I want to say also, it was an act of um, self-compassion for me to come here today. I had kind of a challenging time um last night, I'll just say this real quickly, I have a chronic condition that I have to take medication for, and I, I just had a difficult time yesterday. Um, I think if I didn't have any self-compassion, I wouldn't have noticed how sick I was feeling last night and then discovering I hadn't taken my medication and, you know, I felt better, and just getting myself here today, I think, was an act of self-compassion. Nice, nice. Um,
0: I'm happy to hear that, that you're caring for yourself. Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. So anyway, thanks for your... Thanks for doing this. Thanks for this class.
0: You're welcome. You're
1: welcome. Anyway. I kind of ironically have something similar. So I used to live kind of over here in this area, and recently I've had to move to the other side because I lost my housing, So, because I'm on a disability. And um, where I live now is a lot of homelessness. So in our yard where I sit at my boyfriend's house right now that I'm not working, I have found myself in that same position feeling like I have to look at this because they literally walk in front of the house and make messes and leave garbage. It's the whole thing there. But then I sort of turned it around, and I thought about, well, I lost my place. This could easily happen, and I do have compassion. So I have found myself like giving them water or some food or things that we have extra instead of being annoyed by it and then just picking up garbage and throwing it away myself. Um, but... You know, I don't know if that would be having yeah, compassion. Know.
0: That would be compassion, right? Sure, sure. And how did it feel? To kind it, of like it made reframe. me better
1: understand, like, put myself in their place yeah. in their shoes. Yeah. Instead of saying, why do I have to look at this? It was kind of like, well, this is becoming very prevalent in our area. Now this is happening. I might have not been so where had I been over here on this side. Mm. But because I'm on this side, I'm like, oh, this is different now. Mm. So it's really um, opened my eyes to, like, what's going on out there, you know, and made me understand how they're feeling or how they're doing or what's going on out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So kind of the same. But I started off that way, like, just it was in my face, and I didn't want to be by it. I felt just not good about it.
0: I bet you were able to kind of reframe. Yeah, I
1: kind of reframed it, kind of thought about them more and maybe how they got there in the first place.
0: Mm. Thank yeah. you thank you there 's no end to the suffering in the world there 's no end, right even though we may be wishing for it to end. We may be very <laughs> sincerely practicing right it 's part of the human experience it 's part of not even just human animals suffer right so it's our practice isn 't we 're not going to make all the suffering go away either for ourselves or for others. But maybe we can shift our relationship to it. Maybe we can shift like shift the thinking like, the, "Oh, this has to end. I have to leave. This is completely intolerable." Maybe we can increase our capacity to be with the, the difficulties. Maybe we can make a little bit of space for the reality that we all live in, even though it may not match our preferences, even though it perhaps often doesn't match our preferences. So to build on that, as I said at the introduction, so when loving-kindness meets people who are having success, I mean good fortune, who are feeling happy, then the um, loving-kindness can expand or shift to include what we call appreciative joy. It could also be sometimes translated as sympathetic joy. The Pali word is mudita, which sometimes is a little bit easier to say than appreciative joy. And this is, I'm happy because you're happy. I'm having joy because you're having joy. I'm rejoicing, I'm delighting because something great has happened for you. we we all have this experience probably there's people who are dear to us who get really good news from the doctor's office or who get a job they really wanted or have something wonderful happen with their children or maybe one of these people is your children and they have some type of success something they worked hard for and they're able to have some good outcome from their efforts So appreciative joy is the same thing, but we're just trying to expand it a little bit to people outside of those whom we feel responsible for or close to or just beyond those where it comes naturally. And the truth is appreciative joy is often difficult. It's often difficult when we see other people who are having good fortune it might be, not always. It might be that there's a little bit of envy that slips in, a little bit of oh, I, I, well, how come that's happening for them? Well, why why can't I have some of that? You know, and these thoughts may not be clearly formed in that way. There may just be uh, a sense of the opposite of happiness, a sense of like, oh, I don't, I'm not feeling joyful. That these. This person, these people are feeling joyful. And I don't have to tell you envy, jealousy can be really destructive. This can eat us up. It can, like there's no end, just like I was saying earlier, there's no end to the suffering. There's also no end to things that we can be jealous about. I don't have this, I don't have that. When we're kind of like in the grips of envy, we reach the, dissatisfaction with whatever we have starts to grow. There can be no end to the comparing we are doing, right? So that we might always come, if we have that particular mind state, if we have that particular habit of mind, we might always feel like we're deficient. we We never have enough. Everybody has more. This comes from the sense of comparing Not only are we feeling like others have something that we don't have, when we notice that others have are experiencing some positive outcome or some good fortune, that might, if we don't feel envious, we might, or in addition, we might feel this self-critical voice, like, oh, why didn't I do that? Then maybe I could have had that outcome, and I should have done that, and I can't believe I didn't do it, and, you know, it's easy. It's easy to find ourselves doing this. Appreciative joy can be a really difficult practice because it touches into some of our ideas about ourselves and our ideas about how we think things should be. We may see that somebody is having um, some good fortune and or they're really happy about something, and we may be in order to kind of like dismiss it or um, try to diminish it. <laughs> I'll say that uh, recently I saw that uh, there was a painting that sold for millions of dollars, and the subject of the painting was the Simpsons cartoon TV show. And I just thought, really? <laughs> So, I didn't have happiness that people had, had, you know, that they were spending their money on this type of thing. I had a little bit like, really? It's kind of my feeling. So, that's an exaggeration, right? Something that's uh, maybe, you know, not our everyday occurrence that we encounter people that are doing things like this. But we may have these ideas of, well, I'm only happy for you as long as your happiness are done in these appropriate particular ways. We can kind of like watch for that. Otherwise, we might diminish or somehow dismiss other people's sense of good fortune. But if, you know, there are people, of course, and sometimes we are those people that do have good fortune, that do have success, that do have some happiness, do have some joy, some ease, some peace, and some freedom. And if we always have the sense that we ourselves have to cultivate and develop it which is certainly part of the practice here but if we have this idea that that's exclusively where it can come from rather than like borrowing somebody else's happiness in some kind of way then we're limiting ourselves. We're limiting these ideas of what are potential sources of uh, happiness. We're limiting which sources can be. But if we want to celebrate, if we want to rejoice, if we want to take delight in other people's lives, other people's accomplishments, we need to find a way to look at their lives, look at their accomplishments straight on, directly. As opposed to this kind of like looking from below with envy. They have something I have and we're feeling diminished or smaller, or rather than looking from above, oh, I can't believe you're happy because of that—that that ridiculous thing—and we may be judging them. And nor do we want to look at other people's lives with rose-colored glasses. That assumes that they only have success after success, that they never have anything but success or good fortune. They have everything. All of us suffer but instead to help uh, um, cultivate, experience happiness, joy, gladness, and other people's gladness and joy. We can look at other people's lives, their experiences, directly, straight on. So one thing too, is I said, that we can also think about what this might mean if we don't want other people to be happy, if somehow we're diminishing it. Implicit in that is the idea that perhaps others would have more and more suffering. Is that what we want? Do we want everybody to have nothing but hardships? Do you want everybody to have difficulties? For some people it might be easier actually to, rather than um, when we see somebody who's having some good fortune, we might have this pang of uh, jealousy or judgment or whatever it might be. It might be easier to remember, well this person has difficulties too. I may not see them, I may not know them, but it's part of the human experience. We know this, that everybody has difficulties. So maybe we start with compassion practice. Maybe we start there, and this recognition that just like me, this person wishes to be free from suffering and they probably have some suffering, I don't know what it is exactly. And start there and allow this wish for their suffering to end, this wish for goodwill, Allow that to really blossom and to really grow. It's bigger and bigger. And then just sort of go into the appreciative joy. Well, maybe just, I want them to have a freedom. I want them to have peace. I want them to have ease, health, safety. And then that can, we can include the appreciative joy as part of our practice if we find it's more difficult to um, be with people who are having good experiences, we might start with acknowledging that they don't only have good experiences. And then we can ask ourselves, is another person's happiness, is it really jeopardizing our own If because they're happy, does that mean we can't be happy? Is there like a limited supply of happiness? And somehow if other people have it, we don't have it? No, of course not. But sometimes there can be that feeling of scarcity rather than this feeling like I I need to get my share. It seems like everybody else is getting the share. Again these beliefs these ideas may be in the back of our mind they may not be form- fully formulated but we can just think about we really don't want other people to do not have nothing but suffering and really happiness is unlimited it's unlimited other people's happiness doesn't mean we can't have happiness So appreciative joy can be a practice, just like the other Brahma-viharas. We started with goodwill, then we went to compassion, and now we're doing with appreciative joy. It can take time and some effort to free ourselves of this scarcity or this feeling of scarcity that there's not enough happiness, there's not enough joy, there's not enough, I need more, and those other people are getting in my way. Be something that we definitely can need to work with and practice. Today, I'll be offering us um, two, da- two ways to work with it. I'm going to start with um, the initial, the way that's kind of uh, similar to how we've been doing the other Brahma Viharas, that is to bring somebody to mind for um, appreciative joy, just like we've been doing with the other Brahma Viharas. We'll start where it's easiest. We absolutely start where it's easiest. So that's with somebody who's dear to us, important to us, close to us. And we'll bring them to mind. We'll see if there's some sensations in the body that um, support and some feeling of um, goodwill towards them. And then for today, I'm going to start us off with doing some loving kindness for this person where it's easy to kind of like prime the pump a little bit, to have us be abiding in some sense of goodwill. And then we'll um, imagine or bring to mind some good fortune that they are having. And then we'll use some phrases, just like we do for the other practice, but of course these are different phrases for appreciative joy. The phrases that I'm going to use today is are... I'm happy, you're happy. And may your good fortune continue. Again, these may not be the perfect phrases for you. You could try them. We could do a test drive with them today. You're welcome to modify them, to change them, and to um, tweak them in any way that feels, feels makes them more meaningful and more accessible for you. Okay, so with that as an introduction, I'm going to take a drink of water here for. So we'll take a, an alert, upright posture, and we'll start with three long, slow breaths. It's important to have a certain amount of comfort in this practice. You're welcome to take whatever posture feels comfortable, to allow these exhales to settle in, bring some ease. If you want to lie down, you're welcome to lie down. and returning the breath to normal. Allowing the body to breathe itself, trusting that the body knows how to breathe. And we'll do just a little body scan here, just to connect to the present moment, connect to our experience, and allow any areas of the body that can readily soften, let go, allowing them to do so. Can bring our awareness to the areas around our eyes, around the jaw. Nothing in particular needs to happen. We're just noticing the shoulders, upper back and lower back. The chest, can there be a alertness to the chest? Check and see if there's a sense of collapsed or openness. The belly, can feel supported, feel grounded by the pressure of the ground, the cushion, the chair against your body. Check in with the upper legs, the lower legs, and the feet. Another opportunity to feel grounded the arms and the hands. Then let's begin with some loving kindness practice for a dear one, someone for whom it's easy, easy, easy to feel loving kindness. Someone we don't even hesitate. Bring this person to mind. Or if it isn't a person, that's, that comes to mind readily, choose puppies, babies, kittens. Check in with the body. See if there's some inner warmth, some inner smile when you bring this person to mind. It's okay if there isn't. And then to support our intention of cultivating loving kindness, I can repeat these phrases silently in them in your mind. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. You can check in with the body. See if there's any warmth or open-heartedness in whatever way you understand that. Maybe just a corner of your experience is a little bit more well-being or spaciousness. It's perfectly fine if you don't feel it. But if so, can you allow it to be, to get as big as it would like? And then to practice appreciative joy, bring to mind of some good fortune, some success that this person has. And then to build on the sense of loving kindness, well include some happiness, some joy, some delight, some gladness. We can, acknowledging the good fortune this person or being has, then we can repeat these phrases. I'm happy, you're happy. May your good fortune continue. I'm happy you're happy. May your good fortune continue. I'm happy you're happy. May your good fortune continue Maybe you could feel into the body and see how this feels. There's some gladness, some happiness, some joy, some delight when bringing to mind a, the good fortune of a dear one. I'm happy you're happy. May your good fortune continue. I'm happy you're happy. May your good fortune continue. Happy you're happy. May your good fortune continue. And then to end this meditation, feel the pressure of the chair or the floor or the cushion against your body. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. So with that guided meditation I started us off just with a body scan, you know, three breaths and then a body scan just to kind of get settled, kind of check in with what's happening, kind of arrive here. And then we started with some loving-kindness practice where it's easy, kind of want to be able to like hang out in those feelings of loving-kindness if you can. And then to include some, like, some happiness in there, being happy for s- something that uh, somebody else has um, some success they've had. So what was that like? Does that, anybody have some comments, some questions, any things they'd like to share? Can you okay, can we get the uh, microphone back there for Mary thank you
3: Well it's hard to go public with this
0: <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to tell any of your deep dark secrets no, you know the thing is
3: um, you know the intro is good and everything but there's still... And they really weren't big things that I was thinking about, except that I think they're long-lasting kind of why-not-me things. And I still had that, that wrenching thing, even though I was saying the words, you know. And some of these things I know will never happen. I'll, I mean, as far as I know of, I will never experience these things. And so there's still kind of a sadness about that, that I... that for whatever reason, I've missed out on that. Mm -hmm. And so I find this Brahma Vihara extremely difficult to work with. Um, Extremely difficult, yeah. Because I I can't, I mean, if it's my own kids or if it's like, yay, you know, like, hooray for you, my granddaughter's going to graduate from college with top notch awards and everything and and it's just automatic you know it's just automatic i'm so happy for her um it would have been nice for me to do that but you know it wasn't really a big thing the really deep underlying things uh are not are not spontaneous like that i have to work and work and work and and um i think i go around the horn by By to feel happiness for them by looking at, you know, life isn't perfect for everybody, and I've missed out on this, so what? They missed out on other things, you know. So, I have to kind of really talk myself into not getting into the place of feeling deprived. I think that's the bottom. I feel deprived, not necessarily. Unhappy that they're having it, but deprived. Yeah, Yeah. I think that describes it more Mm. than anything.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. That uh, like some supports for this is for us to be cultivating something that's the opposite of feeling deprived. Can we feel gratitude? Can we feel contentment? And that can be a real practice. And maybe that's the practice we start with and spend a lot of time with and put sympathetic joy, appreciative joy to the side right now while we work with uh, some of these other things. I'm going to talk about that some more.
2: I have a friend who I regularly... Okay, I don't want to try to say that word. Um, I have a friend who has um, something that I want. And... Well, I'll just say what it is. She has a loving family. She has a large, loving family. And um, I don't have this and um it was um it was really helpful when you said that someone could have i think okay i don't remember your exact words, but um it was like someone can. Be experiencing some happiness but they could have other struggles in their life so it's good to remember that so um this friend who I am jealous of her family she also has health struggles um and it helped me to remember that like her life isn't perfect um and I don't wish her to have any kind of struggle at all you know i you know I'm happy actually that she has a large and loving family. you know um, I want her to have that because i I have a lot of affection for her, you know, but just remembering that. People have struggles, and I don't have to hold on to, you know, the resentment or, you know, my unhappiness that they're happy. Yeah. You know,
0: often compassion is the way into appreciative joy. We start there, recognizing that, oh, yeah, they have difficulties too. All of us have. Some good things that are happening, they may be small, they may not be obvious, we may dismiss them, but everybody's lives is a mixture and not evenly distributed. Maybe there's times right, when we have more positive things and maybe there's times when other people do too. But I think you you pointed to this, that compassion practice can be um, because we don't want their suffering. We want their suffering to end. We don't want it to continue. That can be the kind of the way in. And a recognition that this is a difficult practice because it brings up a lot of our ideas about how our life should be or how wishes we may have had for how our life would be, all these things. Yeah, this is a tricky one. Mm, Thank you for sharing. Anybody else want to comment?
1: Stuff is similar. It's so interesting. <laughs> um, I was going to say, make more friends. It could be like family. And sometimes having a lot of family brings a lot of problems. I have a big family, and I don't talk to them, so it's not always the you know what I mean. The good. So most of my close friends are my family now. Yeah, right? I've just changed it around. I made more friends. I don't know. <laughs> I always look at it a different way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not so easy. I think the answer is actually, it's also not easy, is to not compare ourselves. Not to look for others to somehow define who we are, or look for reassurance from others, or look to others to help decide what's important, what's not important, and I know this isn't easy, right? we certainly be kind of grow up with this idea or socialize this way of um comparing certainly the Buddhist practice definitely points to that's nothing but suffering as soon as you start comparing it 's nothing but suffering, but it's a well worn habit too, so sometimes I know I had a dear friend of mine that um I was this is quite some years ago, and I was uh, in some training, and there was this person, right, who was doing everything perfectly, and I was like bumbling around. I couldn't quite find my way around this, and I was sitting with my friend and saying, "Oh my gosh, it's like so difficult to be in this training where I'm having a lot of difficulties, and some other people seem to have such ease." And my good friend, he just said, "We'll stop comparing." <laughs> It wasn't easy. I couldn't stop for that moment. But just to be reminded, like, of course, what do you expect? As soon as you start comparing, suffering. There is nothing but suffering. Because even if you think you're better than everybody else, then you have to prop that up because it's inevitable there's going to be data coming in that says, oh, maybe you're not better than everybody else. And then you have to kind of, like, distort views or you have to convince everybody you're better. If you have this idea that you're worse, ouch, that's so painful. Or if you think that you're exactly the same, then again, you have to, the data isn't the same. We are different. We all have different gifts. We have different struggles. So that's actually the answer. As best we can, notice when we're comparing. And as best we can, think like, oh yeah, this is is what comparing feels like. It feels like suffering. and maybe I'll, I'll add some other supports for appreciative joy, and I've like, hinted at them already. I was really surprised when I um, saw this little uh, video clip from Brene Brown. She's a, you know, actually, I don't know if she's a psychologist or sociologist, or she has a book out, which now I don't the title just, Flips my mind, so I'm not doing it very good at introducing her. But um, there's this little video clip when she says, the most difficult emotion, the most difficult emotion for people to feel is joy. I was like, what? <laughs> she said, it's joy. You don't think it should be, but it actually is joy. It's difficult for people to feel joy because they are. There's a number of reasons for this, right? But some may be, and she has this expression, and I think I included it in the handout because I loved it. She said, So many people have this dress rehearsal for tragedy. That is, they don't want to feel happy because they know that pretty soon something terrible is going to happen. And they just don't want to be too disappointed when then terrible things happen so if I don't allow myself to feel happy now somehow in some kind of convoluted logic we have then somehow that unhappiness in the future won't sting quite so much. Of course if that doesn't quite work we end up living a life of just uh, kind of closed down with this small little range of um, emotions so when we when joy when happiness delight happens on its own whether it's because you see what somebody else is doing or because you're having your own success you're having your own good fortune see if you can allow yourself to feel it and notice oh today I did remember to for me the other day was take my (laughs) vitamins I'm always forgetting to take them and like oh I did do this okay finally I'm like showing myself some care and some respect and doing these things that I know that will support me this may be small things maybe big things but can we allow ourselves to feel happiness feel delight we also may have an underlying belief that we would somehow not be loyal to the suffering of the world if we were happy. Somehow, right, there's, I just mentioned it earlier, but there's suffering everywhere and it's everywhere we look. Somehow we feel like, oh, it's, I shouldn't be happy because there's suffering out there. It doesn't, Does that really work? Does that really make sense? Can we show up and support people, help them, have compassion for them, have loving kindness? If we ourselves are keeping ourselves dampened down and just having suffering or maybe just mild irritation all the time, can we allow ourselves to be nourished, allow ourselves to be supported by happiness, by joy, and allow ourselves to open a little bit, open our hearts with that joy and happiness, that then allows us to meet with the suffering, to maybe go out and do and help and support. There's nothing wrong with nourishing and supporting ourselves with the happiness we feel. Nothing wrong. In fact, I would say it's critical. And in the Buddhist path, it's an integral part. It's quite a different uh, ways we could describe the Buddhist path, and all of them explicitly talk about happiness, explicitly talk about joy. It's important. We deserve it. It's part of being human. Just like the difficulties and suffering, which sometimes we tend to emphasize, there's evolutionary reasons why we tend to notice and emphasize the difficult the hard, the scary things but let's not forget the good things too and nourish ourselves with them so related to this kind of dress rehearsal for tragedy, we may feel threatened that this joy or happiness will go away, so we don't really want to feel it because it's going to go away it will go away. This joy and happiness will go away. Everything goes away, just like the suffering that happened before the joy and happiness went away. This is the nature of everything, to arise and to pass away. I don't know the time duration of things, but I think it's unlikely that anybody will just be nothing but happy for the remainder of their lives. So just acknowledge it's going to end whether we allow ourselves to experience it now or not. So can we just allow ourselves to experience it without clinging, without holding on to, without, I don't know, beating ourselves up, wondering whether we deserve it, but just to feel happy. Feel the delight, feel the gladness. Feel the joy. And to recognize that the happiness of others even difficult people, is not going to take away one iota of our own happiness. There is not a limited supply. It's unlimited, completely unlimited. So we can feel happy and allow others to feel happy. But we can also intentionally gladden the mind and heart. We can intentionally, there's some practice we can do to brighten, open, gladden, soften the mind and heart so that we are more likely to feel happiness or maybe to make us cause happiness. So a number of things we can do. One, remember the good things we have done. We have all done good things. We may have done some bad things as well, but again, the purpose, the point here with this practice is to have a balanced view and not only be focusing on the bad things. Remember, bring to mind those times we have been generous with our time, with our money, with our whatever resources we have to share. Remember the times we've meditated. We thought, okay, I'm going to cultivate my mind. On where we've done it, remember those times we've taken good care of ourselves you've taken your medication you've taken your vitamins, you exercised, you spent time outside, you rested, whatever, whatever you need. Remember the times you've supported other people and maybe they you were able to provide something that was helpful maybe you just listened when somebody needed to talk or maybe you can remember when you didn't do something that would have been kind of harmful even though you were really thinking it but you didn't say it so we can kind of gladden the mind and heart and remember yeah there's been times of good you've done good things too Something else we can do to gladden the mind and the heart is to practice gratitude. This alone is going to be its own practice and I'll lead us in a guided meditation with this in a moment. And maybe I'll say that there's actually this. I'm a little bit fascinated by this that uh, there's a lot of Research being done right now on gratitude practice they're discovering how powerful it is it really changes people's view of the world the view of themselves it really can change the flavor and change the perspective and there's more scientific papers that are getting published about this it's fantastic yeah so she was just saying that she um, has it Keeps a gratitude journal. Uh, I do this too. At the uh, end of the day, I say three things I'm grateful for. I write them down. Wow. I had no idea. So often that what comes up are um, interactions I've had with people. I kind of didn't realize like, how important that was for me. I was just you know going through my days before. But it's wonderful. It's a really uh, great practice. So, I can recommend this for those of you who are interested to have a gratitude journal in any way that makes sense for you whether that's an app on your phone or whether it's a notebook or whether it's just something that you lie in bed and think about before you go to sleep. Whatever way makes sense for you. Also for, um, to help develop um, gratitude is to remember, remember or acknowledge how far we've come I'm sure there are some places in our lives in which we are doing better. We are meditating more compared to when we first started, or maybe remember back the very first time you ever closed your eyes and said, "Okay, I'm going to meditate." It was for me, it was a bewildering experience. <laughs> My body hurt. I couldn't sit on the cushion. It was like, "Wow, what?" And now, right? I Do an awful lot of meditation. Just kind of remember, what are some of the successes you have had? We often tend to diminish them and think like, yeah, but I still can't do this, I can't do that. Acknowledge some of the things that you can do. Some progress that you've made. Also some in our daily lives, uh, as part of this research, they've noticed that those people that... um, they just have gratitude for things that arise in their life, tend to smile. They tend to say thank you. And they tend to write thank you cards and letters. Maybe they're emails. Maybe they are actual cards. Remember the days when we used to stand in front of the card section at the store and like pick out all the cards and I mean I used to love to do that. You know, now I'm writing emails, but uh recently I just bought some cards. It's fantastic. It made me so happy and I wrote a card for somebody. I couldn't believe how happy that made me feel to do that. So these are things that we can do to gladden the heart and the mind. Something else we can do is to practice simplicity. Can we create a life that might be outwardly simple, but inwardly really rich? Has nothing to do with about you know poverty or giving away all of our belongings, but just noticing. So often we have can be enough. We often hear this message: we need more and more and more. But do we really? Do we need that new kitchen gizmo? I was, <laughs> or can we just chop? <laughs> I'm just making that up as uh, something that happened to me some time ago. I thought, like, oh, I definitely need this Cuisinart thing, and then no, I don't. I'll just chop things. There's a reason why, for those of you who have a retreat practice, there's a reason why retreat centers—the rooms where you stay—in are very simple and modest. Something about simplicity really kind of like supports some quietness and some contentment. Also, some of you may know that there's this uh, uh, phenomenon that's happening with the Marie Kondo effect. You may have heard about her. I forgot what it's called. But, um, but just about tidying up and the joy of tidying up. right? This kind of simplifying and decluttering just is another way to that we can kind of gladden the heart and the mind. So just spending some time with a uh, cultivating these qualities, doing these activities can help bring some spaciousness, some openness to the heart and to the mind that make it a little bit easier to practice appreciative joy. And it might be that these other practices, these other things are where we spend a lot of time and we really um, bolster and nourish ourselves with them before we start practicing appreciative joy. All of us are different. All of us have different life experiences. and So find a practice that works for you. What I would like you to not do, I would like you to not slip into self-criticism. Oh, I should do this. Oh, I should feel that. Oh, this is hard. Everybody else can do it. I can't. Whatever it might be. Allow this practice to support you. Not to be yet one more thing that you beat yourself up with. So, I'm going to lead us through a little bit of a um, guided meditation on gratitude. I'm deciding right this, and I'll decide as we go. I may add some things. I'm going to kind of like feel into the meditation and see how it goes, and I may add some other things there too. So, hopefully, you can follow along with this. Hmm. Okay, so again, we'll take an alert, upright posture. Again, we'll take three long, slow, deep breaths. allowing the breath to return to normal. And again, we'll do a body scan. Checking in with the eyes, the jaws, the face, the neck, shoulders, upper back, lower back. chest the belly maybe we'll pause here just for a moment often we hold emotions here can we just breathe into the chest and the belly allowing whatever's there to be there Bring our awareness to the sensations in the chair or the cushion, feeling the pressure against our body. The lower legs, upper legs, the feet, feeling grounded, feeling steady, feeling here. the arms and the hands. Can you notice any worries or irritation or fear, anger, judgment, these types of things? Can you breathe into them and allow them to flow out as you breathe out in a very gentle, relaxed way. We're not trying to force them to happen. We're just creating the conditions in which they can happen. Any uncomfortable emotions can we Somehow release them. Let them go with the out-breath. You might have thoughts of the future, plans. You might have thoughts of the past, memories. Can we Let those soften and go out with the out-breath. Allowing them, thoughts just to flow out. now that our bodies, our emotions, our thoughts are just a little bit more clear maybe a little bit more spacious or open we'll start with some gratitude practice first notice that if you are listening to this we have some things which you might be grateful for Acknowledge that you're alive and someone gave birth to you, someone took care of you when you were an infant and bathed you and taught you to speak. Can we feel some gratitude for that? in an easy, relaxed way. If this starts to slip into something other than gratitude, you can just bring your awareness to the sensations of breathing. Also, if you can hear this, you can hear. This means You can hear birds singing. You can hear music. You can hear voices, people singing together, maybe talking. Maybe you can hear your interior, your own breath flowing in and flowing out. Can you feel some gratitude? for being able to hear. Now we might think about the things that we have today that make our lives easier and more comfortable than perhaps our great grandparents had. We flip a switch and a light appears. We turn a knob and clean water flows out for most of us. We can adjust a thermostat and the room goes warmer or cooler. I'm hoping that all of us have roofs to sleep under, keep us dry when it rains, keep out the wind, For most of us, we enter a vehicle and it takes us where we want to go. We have access to machines that wash our clothes. And we have machines that store our food at just the right temperature. We have libraries in this community that have lots of resources free for borrowing we have parks we have schools can we have some gratitude for these things that we have access to today Now we might take a moment and reflect on all the people who have worked hard to make our lives easier. People who plant, grow, and harvest our food. The people who transport the food. Those people who make the roads and the railways and the airports that allow the food to be transported. Are the people who maintain those vehicles, the drivers, the people who load and unload. Those people who run the stores where we purchase the food. Who work in them, who design them, who plan them. Can we take a moment to feel gratitude that it's a whole tremendous number of people that are supporting us to get food. Now, you might consider those people and pets who enrich your life. Family, friends, acquaintances, colleagues, peers, even the ancestors who worked so that you could live well. Those who support you, who cheer you on. Can you have some gratitude for those? Gratitude feels, fills our hearts and minds. It uplifts, it's uplifting. Can you allow yourself to feel that? We can check in with how you feel in your body now. Is there any sense of well-being, openness, spaciousness, ease, happiness? You don't have to judge it or just notice. then to end this meditation. Feel the pressure of the chair or the cushion against your body. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. with that meditation I started us off with a little bit a few slow breaths and then just this idea that maybe some of our after checking in with the body some of our emotions or some of our thoughts can be softened or let go of somehow with the breath that may or may not work for you and then to introduce the idea of gratitude it's just quite something right to think about if you compare like what our great grandparents what their life was like to how ours our, our what our lives are like to recognize these things that we take for granted but you know quite some innovations and i didn't even talk about right there's so many things like technology and but some of the simple things with the idea that this gratitude practice is a way in which we can, you know, gladden the heart and the mind. Appreciative joy practice is often, has to do with the happiness of others. And then somehow, kind of like, uh, often you know, with Brahma Vihara practice, we include ourselves. But often it feels like I'm happy, that I'm happy. That doesn't quite make sense. So it's often a gratitude practice. But importantly, I think a graduate practice can be a way to kind of um, help create the conditions in which sympathetic joy practice is a little bit easier, appreciative joy practice. So would anybody like to comment or share what was that like? Do you have any things? Any questions or comments? Yeah,
3: So as you guided us through the meditation, I I could think about gratitude and, you know, going through all the things and people that you spoke about. Um, But I have a hard time feeling gratitude, and I I wonder, um, and I feel like I would like to, you know, like move it from here down to here, and how I would does that will that happen naturally or i mean how do i cultivate that and is it important <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah this is a good question um, I think it's it 's not uncommon that when we start a new practice or sort of thing it starts in the head. It starts with the ideas that we have certainly that's the whole premise behind doing brahma vihara practices in general is that it often starts you know maybe we have a kind of have a sense of what it is, maybe it 's mostly in our head, a little bit in our hearts. for some people, it starts all in their heads. some people maybe it starts in their hearts too so um Yes, with gratitude practice as a meditation practice, you, um, it's likely. I can't give any promises here. It's likely that you'll have more of an a, like a physical felt sensation, maybe a little uh, feeling of delight, a little like a uh, bubbliness, maybe, or uh, some uh, feels maybe like some joy or something that's related to um, gratitude. So like I kind of want to put this into context. Maybe um, a formal gratitude meditation that may or may not be um, uh, beneficial or helpful. But a lot of people, a tremendous number of people have talked about the benefits of a gratitude journal. So maybe that's something that just feels like, okay, a gratitude journal is, doesn't have to be so... Um, I want to use the word serious, but that's not the right word. Sometimes there can be this somber tone, especially I was leading us, you know, with this quiet voice. But maybe it's more like of a fun, exuberant feeling, and just writing like, "Oh yeah, this was great, and this was great, and this was great," and and maybe you start there, and that's um, where you start. And maybe you maybe you feel like you do want to cultivate it more and have more of a felt experience, and you bring it into a meditation practice. You can explore and play with this. Yeah, maybe I'll say that um, it's often a recollection practice. So it is kind of a mind practice um, when it's not a formal meditation practice. So that being said, there's so many different ways we can do this, right? In the Buddhist teachings, there's often like to um, this idea of blessings. And some of the blessings are... I know that we had parents, somebody that gave birth to us, We, you know, a mother who uh, gave birth to us, and can we have some appreciation for that? There isn't, in the, I would say in the Buddhist teachings, an emphasis that we have to feel this in our hearts. But for some people, it's a big support for them. So I don't want you to feel like you have to do this and has to have any particular physical or ex- emotional experience to go with it. Was that helpful? Yes. Basically, I should feel it where I feel it. or whatever's easiest. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is a theme of mine, wherever it's easiest. Because I've noticed, you know, as I talk to more and more meditators, I notice how everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, it's so common for people who wanted to kind of beat themselves up feel like, oh, I can't do this, I'm not doing it right, everybody else is doing it, and I, well, I don't know. And I feel like, wow, we need to start where we are, respect, honor where we are. And then it does take a certain amount of confidence that we can grow from there. And that's like support growth, as opposed to kind of trying to beat ourselves up into um, doing something that being said, I have acknowledged that there are other teachers who are, who kind of more um, espouse the, uh, what I call like the warrior method, you know, just no pain, no gain, go out there and, you know, sit till your legs fall off kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. <laughs> you can tell, right? And so all of us, right, we find our own way if you feel like you need some uh, my guess is those people who um, are really critical on themselves or critical of um, others and kind of like this idea of somebody also being critical. And sometimes maybe we need that. Maybe we need a little push and then just enough to where we can find some of them, um, find some of the benefits. Maybe we do sometimes need a little push. But The practice is to know yourself and to know what's supportive and what's helpful and to work with that. Anybody else have some comments? I'll bring it for you, Mary. Can you thank you?
3: may come out kind of gross or something, but um, when something I take so naturally that's in my life, and of course it's going to work, is all of a sudden not there, then it's like, i it really, um, it makes me realize all the people it takes to have that, for that thing to be in my life. And so uh, it, it's, I don't really have to think about feeling, oh, my God, I'm so glad. It's just like, well, I'll give you this specific example, even though it's kind of gross. My toilet tends to stop up easily. And so I don't think about it when it's working fine. Mm -hmm. Yep, there it goes. But it's like, oh, no. And so once I get it to go again, and in the process, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh! It takes I'm thanking the plumber I'm thanking the the people that put in the sewage system I'm thanking the people that maintain the sewage system that that get rid of our sewage stuff it just it just because all of a sudden it's not there, and what will I do? What will I do without that thing? I take so for granted every day you know so it's like kind of a it's kind of a wake-up call that my, my life is filled with things that will not happen unless all these other people have put them in place and maintained them in place. You know, like, like I live in a complex of condos. All of a sudden, we get an email, okay, the water's going to be turned off on Wednesday from 9 until 2. <laughs> no water. No water and it's it's very dramatic. You know, it's just like nope. <laughs> no water. So I have to figure out to make sure I have water in my fridge or stored or whatever and find some place to be that does have water. So it's just I don't know. It's um it really it it, it helps me to feel gratitude for things that I
0: I I'm,
3: I take for granted all the time, all the time. You
0: know? Yeah. I think probably all of us have similar stories when the car doesn't work or, you know, the credit card uh, doesn't work for whatever reason. You know, these things where we, we realize like how dependent we are and maybe we can take a little bit of delight in some of these things that just make our lives easier and we just kind of...
3: And, and all, all the people that maintain our city or town or culture or everything. You know, when you interact with somebody that works with a company, they have a specific job. And when they're doing it well, everything goes well. If they're not, it's really <laughs> a glitch, you know? So, I don't know. It just uh, I'm I'm more becoming more capable of appreciating everybody that keeps my life as comfortable as it is, and Fantastic. the people that invented it and invented whatever you know, like pipes and all that kind of stuff, you know. So
0: that's great, and so you can just allow yourself to feel that, feel that sense of appreciation. And this, uh, this is uh, appreciative joy is kind of like a building on that. Gratitude is building on that. There's just this sense of appreciation. Yeah, yeah
3: and and it's it's good because it keeps me from i mean i used to just get mad about it you know oh no <sighs> but now it's like no i you know i don't i don't get all upset about it now it's more like appreciating what it takes to keep that going for me and then working with whatever i have to do whatever i have to do to get that toilet unplugged or or to keep you know, spend a day without water and and it's not and, and not having that impatience or that anger or that whatever is is really, really a blessing.
0: Yes. Because the day is not heavy. Exactly. All these practices are to help increase our capacity to be with difficulties whether it's mindfulness practice or whether it's these Brahma Viharas, all of them are about just making our capacity to be with more and more and more. The greater our capacities, the better our lives. Yeah. it's a lot more peaceful. a more peaceful, it's a more peaceful way to live. Yes. Okay, so it's three o'clock. So I want to thank you all. And may you find some of your own joy and happiness and delight and gladness and may it be infectious so that others can be experiencing it too. Thank you.